0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: The question should never be why do good things happen, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? How bad are we? Genesis 6, 5, before the flood, as God decides to destroy the earth, it says this: The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Watch this next clause, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continual.
0: I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The anthem for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will make Chain of the past, you've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh, nothing is impossible. Hello, and welcome to today's Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby. Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so glad and encouraged that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues his sermon series entitled, The Blueprint. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to Genesis chapter 1. And now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: Father, we just thank you for this day, this opportunity to learn about you, from you, and about us through your word. Help us to take what we learned today and to put it to work right after the service and each day forth. Give us opportunities, Lord, to apply what we know. In Jesus' name, amen. All right we are in a series called Blueprint. Every building, every, every football team, every organization, and even a, an organism like the church has a blueprint, a schematic by which they operate, principles for sound construction. Without a blueprint, you really don't know where you're going. And as we march towards Easter and the Easter outreach that's coming, We are reviewing our blueprint, which is the church's statement of faith, the ten key theological commitments that this church has as a body of believers so that as we move into Easter and as we move into years and years of ministry together, we are all, as they say, singing from the same sheet of music. And this blueprint that we have, which is on our website, which is the Evangelical Free Church in America's blueprint, statement of faith, ten key theological commitments... Uh, is based on a cornerstone that is the Word of God. It summarizes the things that we major on here. We major on the major, we minor on the minors. And we're working through this blueprint together. So far, we've talked about the foundation of that blueprint in in week one, which is the Word of God, the Bible. You can't know God's will. You can't know God apart from the Bible. You can know about God through the things that have been made, But you can only know God intimately. You can only know how to serve Him, how to love Him, what His expectations are of you and I from the Bible. And naturally, what would follow that was a discussion of God. We talked about the doctrine of God, the theology. What is theology? The study of God. And what you study and what you internalize translates into action. And we've understood who God is and how God is. And today, we're going to understand a little bit about the human condition. Now, these ten topics are really sort of surveys. You could do a sermon series on each one. But what we're doing right now is gearing up for the days and the weeks and the months to come. And so we're doing this survey, this blueprint on our church and how we're going to think and minister together as a people. And so today, uh, we want to discuss... The human condition. I would subtitle it and why people don't listen because each and every one of us has a loved one that we've tried to talk to about God and some listen and some don't. Some sit there and is, we might weep, we might kid, cajole, cry, and they just don't seem to be interested. I hope to give you an understanding of that reason today and to encourage you. Why are we studying this? As we've discussed, these, this series has many important purposes. The unity of the body Understanding how to put into place the belief system that we hold dear as Christians, the Christian faith, and encouragement and comfort in the difficult days ahead. Because the world isn't getting better and better, it's getting worse and worse. And understanding who God is, how God is, who we are, why we are, and how Christianity works will help you to uh, face the difficult trials and the, the mountaintop experiences in the days ahead. If you don't rightly understand who we are and how we are and why we are and why we are the way we are right now, you will have a defective understanding of the gospel. A defective understanding of the human condition leads us to all kinds of crazy actions and attitudes about life. And I want you to understand the human condition. Otherwise, the churches, so many churches do today, will resort to many gimmicks and gimmicks and gadgets, none of which can replace biblically-based, biblically-driven ministry. So what does our blueprint say about the human condition? What does our statement of faith say about the human condition? What do we believe about the human condition? We believe that God created Adam and Eve in His image, but they sinned when tempted by Satan. In union with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God under His wrath. Only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. And what you see here are really three aspects in that statement, in that tenet, in that plank in our statement of faith, of the human condition. You have humanity's original state, humanity's corrupted state, and in one form or another, humanity's future state. And today, in the interest of time, we'll focus on the first two. We'll get to all three, Lord willing, But understanding the human condition will help you to understand why some of the people that you love and grieve for will not listen to what you have to say. And it will also remind you of why salvation is an act of God. It's not about how slick your presentation is or how cute you are or how winsome you are, but it's the power of God unto salvation. So, let's take the first uh, aspect of the human condition that we want to consider today. And that is humanity's original state. Understanding where we were at the beginning helps us understand how far we've fallen today. And where do we, what do we know about humanity's original condition? We were created in God's image and likeness. And we were at peace with God and harmony with God in our surroundings. Where do we get a hint of that? We get a hint of that in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis We are after God's image and likeness. What does this mean? What does this tell us about the human race, the human condition in the beginning? Well, it tells us a number of things about ourselves. Number one, we are not animals. We live in a naturalistic, atheistic, uh, materialistic society where we believe all that we see is what is and that we're just higher animals, but nothing could be further from the truth. We are not higher animals. Animals are not created in the image and likeness of God. Man is in some sense like God. Animals are not. Man's got a thinker and a feeler. Man is creative. Animals are not. Animals do not care for things or other animals beyond their species. God does, and because we bear his image, we do too. In fact, God charged us. God gave us the responsibility of caring for all of the earth. When's the last time you saw a shark care for a porpoise, unless it was dinner time? Well, we care for animals. We care for our pets. We care for the land. Now, sometimes as sinful creatures, we abuse it, but this is part and parcel of us being created in the image and likeness of God. We are like Him. Man was made to care and rule. That's the whole dominion thing, and a lot of the sort of atheistic, radical environmentalists, say, oh, well, you're, you're having dominion over the earth. No, it's a shepherdship. It's a loving dominion, the way that God is in loving dominion over us. Man was given intelligence and thoughtfulness. That's an aspect of the image of God. And he's had it from the very beginning. This is critical to understand. We didn't evolve to it. We didn't, one day, we'd a state in our evolution that god conferred on us as image and likeness the bible teaches very clearly we had it from the beginning where might we find that we would find that in genesis 5 2 genesis 5 2 this is the book of the generations of adam when god created man he made him in the image and likeness of god male and female he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created The image and likeness of God, God's stamp, God's imprint and impression was on mankind, was on humanity from the beginning. When he was created, he was created at that moment in the image and likeness of God. That's important to understand. And today, even as fallen creatures, and we'll get into the fall in a few minutes, we still bear that image. We've certainly vandalized ourselves. We've distanced ourselves from God as a human race but we still are image bearers. We still resemble Him in some way. And I don't mean physically. I'm talking about morally, relationally, creatively, things like that, spiritually. I want you to also notice it says male and female he, he created them. Your image bearing has nothing to do with your gender, your sex, or your race. Gender and sex are the same things. Uh, but We were created as God's representative. There is one race that is the human race. And the idea that some human beings are less in the image of God than others is something that was born out of, you know, Margaret Sanger and the whole atheistic thing. It's the foundation for racism and things like that. We are very different from the rest of creation. Being created in the image and likeness of God We are his vice rulers, his co-rulers, his his, uh, co-regents. We represent him on earth. We are his representatives because we are like him. Now, how different are we from animals? Somebody's going to say, well, you know, the whales, well, if the whales had been around for tens of billions of years and they predated us, they sure haven't developed much technology, have they? So, you know, Think about this. A bird sings the same song. A cardinal sings the cardinal song. The blue jay sings the blue jay song. Men write symphonies. Men write concertos. Men even write rap music. Country and western, which is like rap music, only with a southern twang. <laughs> Spiders spin the same webs, and they really don't vary the design unless the environment imposes out of It's raining when they spin the web, if they're spinning it in a bush or a tree. But, you know, men build pyramids. Men even build, build the Apple spaceship over here, right? We're not like the rest of creation. Fish swim in the waters. A man swims in the water. A man swims in the sea. He swims in a lake. He flies. He explores the reaches of outer space. We are not animals. We are image bearers of God. Animals are guided by impulse and instinct. There's a herd mentality that dominates everything. People are individually created in God's image, much like the members of the Trinity are individual, yet one God, one race. Man is governed by thought and wisdom. Sometimes his emotions get in the way, but that's a result of the fall. We are nothing like the animal kingdom. And animals do not care for those beyond their species. You're not going to see a wolf Caring for a lamb. You're not going to see a porcupine caring for a jellyfish or even investigating to find out what a jellyfish is. Man was someone not something special. Man had a high position. He still does. But while the Bible indicates implicitly and explicitly that man has devolved, starting as the pinnacle of God's creation before corrupting himself and the universe... In humanity's original state and condition, he had a very high place. In fact, the psalmist says this in Psalm 8. Let me read this to you. Psalm 8, verses 4 through 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, And also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Dominion and authority. We are caretakers. We are a little lower than the angels. We're unlike the angels in that we're created in God's image and likeness. And the Lord took man and he put him to work. He gave him a high calling and responsibility. In Genesis 2, it talks about he put us in the garden And gave us the run of the whole earth. And what do we see in Genesis 2, 15 through 17? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And here's where man goes off the tracks. To to whom much is given, much is expected. Our authority comes with accountability. We have delegated authority from God to care for the earth, and we are responsible to God for everything we do. And that means we have to trust God, and an indication of our trust of God is our obedience. And God called man to obey him. He said, everything's yours. This is mine. If you trust me, you won't mess with it. It's mine. If you trust me, if you love me, if you'll obey me, you'll leave this alone. And it really speaks to the human condition that man bypassed the tree of the knowledge of the, the tree of life and went for the knowledge of good and evil. And man devolved from there. Where do we see this devolution, this de evolution? We see it in Genesis, uh, Romans 1 21 to 24. And it talks about how we are not what we once were. We're no longer in harmony with God as naturally, we're no longer at peace with God. We're something else and we're something less. We vandalized his image. We still bear it. We couldn't destroy that image, but we vandalized it. We destroyed our relationship with God. We destroyed our relationship with the world around us. Romans 121, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. We corrupted ourselves. We vandalized the image of God. Mentally and spiritually, cognitively, we are now defective. And, and the defect is, is, is self administered. Man is a shadow of his former self. His thoughts are darkened. His heart is corrupted. Our thinking isn't what it used to be. We downloaded a virus onto our spiritual hard drive, and our operating system isn't functioning like it once did. But we did it. How bad is that condition? It's bad. It's really bad. And I want you to understand this. You need to understand the condition that man is in right now and why he is in it. Because if you don't, you will not understand grace and you will not understand salvation. We are broken. We are broken. And that brokenness began with the first sin and continues till today. Which brings us to the second aspect of our human condition. We talked about our original state. Now we're going to talk about our corrupted state. Our corrupted state. How corrupt are we? How did all this happen? Genesis 3, 3 through 6. Now, here's what's happening here. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God said, everything's yours, just don't touch that. Satan shows up and says, has God really said you can't do these things? Has God really said that? Is this the word of God? We hear the same things today in different forms and different ways. Has God really said? But the woman said... God said you shall not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die here we have the first lie because God didn't say you couldn't touch it he just said you couldn't eat of it but the serpent said to the woman you surely will not die for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil that's half true but that's the way it always is right bad teaching always has an element of truth so when the woman saw the tree was good for food And that it was a delight to the eyes and that that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Years and years ago, the great theologian Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. But the devil didn't make them do anything. You know what? Satan can't make you sin. This is his whole thing. We choose sin. We choose sin. They chose to believe a lie about God. They wanted Godhood. They wanted autonomy. That's what people want. We're rugged individualists. They wanted autonomy from God. They believed a lie. Rather than trusting in the Word of God, Eve, the first woman, trusts in her experience. It looked good. It looked like it would taste good. It seemed like it was going to be beneficial to eat. And so based on her considerable experience, Rather than listening to the word of God or fully understanding the word of God, she didn't have much of a Bible to read in those days. But whatever she knew, she got wrong. And what would she do? Trusting an experience over the word of God, as we often today trusting an experience over Scripture, she took of it and set in motion her destruction. And her husband set in motion our destruction, because he failed to bring her to God and say, "Have mercy." You know, instead he just joined with her and did the same thing. And that's why it says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so, all de- so death spread to all men. Why? Because all sin. We a lot of times like to say, well, if Adam and Eve had gotten it straight, none of this would have happened. You know what? You're not hard done by. You would have done worse than she- they would have, probably. I know I would have. Our corruption came as soon as we trusted in ourself. And that's the thing. We live in a corrupted state and we live in a corrupted world. How do we know that? Romans 8.21, which gives us great hope, reminds us that this world has been subjected to bondage, slavery, to corruption. Romans 8.21. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. Sin came into the world through man's exercise of free will, A lot of people are into free will. This is what happens. And then the world was corrupted. The Bible tells us that all of creation groans looking forward to the day of restoration. And this corruption was devastating. It had a global and total effect. And if you wanted two easy verses, I'm going to give you three. Write these down. How bad was this? How bad is our corruption? It's so bad that from birth, essentially, we're inclined to sin, and what we're inclined to do, we do. There's nothing really good in us. That's what the Bible teaches. Now we like to think everybody's special, everybody's a winner. We give away trophies and everything and little ribbons and all that good stuff. But the bottom line is, the question should never be, why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? A lot of good things happen to bad people. How bad are we? Genesis 6, 5, before the flood, as God decides to destroy the earth, it says this, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, watch this next clause, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Thank you for listening to Pastor Keith Crosby from Hillside Church in San Jose. Be sure to join us for our tour of Israel, April 30th to May 9th, 2020. For more information, go to hillside.org forward slash Israel trip.